Howdy, Ags. Welcome back to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. At this podcast, we're dedicated to highlighting fast-growing Aggie entrepreneurs, learning how they overcome challenges with creative growth hacks, and connecting them with other entrepreneurs and the Ag Network. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop! Got a little story for you, Ags. Caleb Holt. Fighting Texas Class of 2007, started a company last year and grew it from three employees to 30 employees in that time. His motto is a great one. It's to burn it, break it, and to blow it up. He's definitely a man that is passionate about making all of our lives better and safer. So pass it back and listen up to Caleb as he shares some good bolts. Well, welcome back, Ags, to another episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We've got a great Aggie entrepreneur, Caleb Holt, fighting Texas Aggie class of 2007 and founder of Axelbox. <laughs> yeah, he's joined us today. Caleb, we love the Aggie spirit. We love a and We always like to kick it off with, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about your favorite Aggie memory. Awesome. Well, I am a, a small town kid from the Panhandle of Texas. Smyre, Texas is where I grew up from. And if you're familiar with Lubbock, I actually came down to AM on a livestock judging scholarship out of a junior college in Oklahoma. And I fell in love with trees and water and grass, the things that I don't have where I grew up in the Panhandle. <laughs> but, you know, for me, I came here uh, as a as a junior college transfer, and I served on the undefeated Texas A&M 2006 National Livestock Judging Team. So uh, it was the first team to ever go undefeated. So I think just that is, you know, the thing that I look back on, uh, at least through undergrad, coming in here with sort of a fraternity, sorority group of individuals that were a part of our team that we got to travel this country with uh, and to be able to get the national championship. And what we do in livestock is we bring the bronze bull back to Aggieland and uh, we were able to do that. Nice. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Axobox and, you know, how did you start it and why are you passionate about it? So Axelbox is a technology development firm that is focused on bringing product-based businesses that serve first responders and our armed forces and put those technologies on track and bring them to market. And in the beginning, I spent 11 and a half years at Teeks and I was known as the guy that if you needed to burn it, break it or blow it up, you gave me a call. <laughs> now is really driven behind the fact that I have three kids, three, five, and eight, and ensuring that the people that protect us and take care of us and keep us a free country have the best technologies for my kids to do that going forward. Before the interview, you told me about a couple of your products, and I think that they're just so really cool. Um, and I know about one of them just because of a, a friend of mine works for you. But can you tell us a little bit about some of those products that you guys are releasing and, and have released uh, just recently? Yeah, so we have five portfolios of technology that we focus on, but just a couple of them that uh, we're really excited about. So we have one technology, it's in our advanced materials portfolio. Actually, two I'll tell you about there. Is one is called Intelligent Nanofiber, and it's a molten hyperblown polypropylene that is 
nanoscale. So most things that you wear on your mask, those N95 masks, uh, those are microcloths. So we have about a thousand times greater surface area. So we can capture much smaller particles uh, than most technology out there. But what's really interesting and people are excited about is we've licensed a portfolio of technology out of the Naval Research Lab. And in 2021, we'll introduce what we call the signal filter. And the signal filter will actually change colors when it comes in contact with known chemicals sources. Wow. We think that's a really interesting technology and um, we're working on standing up a manufacturing facility and hiring a lot of Aggies to help us work in that facility here in Bryan College Station. We also, one of the ones that that uh, is sort of a, a fun story is there's a company called Ascentium that has four PhD advanced material engineers from Texas A&M University uh, and an investor sort of swept them away to Pflugerville, Texas. Uh, but we are currently uh, have helped them with some defense contracts and they've had some success there. And so now we lead North American sales for the government base for Ascentium. And these are the fastest 3D printing machines in the world. They are five to 15 times faster than any industrial grade 3D printer. But the material capabilities are incredible. And so right here in College Station, we have a facility that we're putting in a process we call additive at scale. And we use 3D printers to create bridge molds that go into injection molding machines in a matter of hours. So we can literally, what typically takes 90 to 120 days, we can do in a matter of hours. And so uh, we like to say it exponentially will change the world. Wow. That's, that's And you said that that's in College Station. Both of those facilities are here in College Station. Yeah, absolutely. Where where are y'all located? So those two facilities are at our uh, Guitar Center property. So we're in, we have a 12,000 square feet in the back of the Guitar Center, right off of Harvey Road in College Station. Right near, right across the, from the, uh, from the mall or right that area. Yeah. If yep. you can smell Krispy Kreme, you, you're really close to where <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, how long have y'all been there? So we're celebrating one year this month. One of the things I like to tell people is we're putting the power back into Circuit City. So this was the old Circuit City building. Yep. The guitar center's yep. in the front and we're in the back. And um, it's just a short story. But, uh, you know, I had a farmer I grew up working for and he had this sign on the back of his uh, back of his house that said backdoor guest or best and so you know i really like that mentality and when you come and see our facility you're like we're walking in the back of the building and then you come in and you're <laughs> really pretty blown away by what we have going on back here it definitely is an amazing facility. I was actually there talking with uh, one of your teammates earlier this week and continue to be blown away by your 3D printing capabilities and just the the brains that you have assembled there. Um, so you've been at it for a little over a year um, in this form of, of a business. Um, so you're, you're rolling and then COVID hit. Has COVID presented any surprising challenges and how have you overcome those? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think if you said it didn't affect you, you probably weren't in business. The thing I'll tell you, the number one thing I'll tell you is uh, we have a director of IT and marketing and his name is Sam White. And he probably is the reason we survived COVID because he put tons of processes in place. He, he figured out how to network our computers. We'd made what I felt like were, you know, I, honestly, when we were making some of these investments, I thought, man, we don't need all this stuff. And um, But had he not done it, we not purchased the amount of computers up front that we had, we probably would not have made it through COVID. You know, I tell people it was me and my little brother, my 11 year younger brother also works here with us. It was me, him and two contractors in the fall of 19. And then in January, we kind of went, 
crazy. We went two, four, eight, 16, 20 employees. And then COVID-19 happened and uh, 20 employees started working remotely at least for two weeks. And then through this COVID, we've ended up hiring 10 additional employees and we have 18 that still work remotely. So it's drastically affected that. And the other thing is it's, you know, in areas where it's created a lot of hardship for us, uh, as I mentioned, we like product-based businesses. So, you know, if it was software, we could just keep coding, but we have a lot of supply chain issues uh, around getting parts and pieces. And then the different technologies we work with, they have different parts and pieces. But, you know, to give you an example, I had parts that I ordered in December. They were supposed to be here February 14th and they showed up on June 22nd. <laughs> Significant number of delays and parts and pieces that, you know, we were expecting to get. And so that has probably been the part that has created the most opportunity for us because I like vertical integration. And so we ended up partnering with a company here in town. So how how did you overcome those challenges knowing that you can't... Your customers aren't going to be like, okay, that's fine. Just give it to us six months later. How did you hack that? One, additive manufacturing is way different than it was even five years ago. So the stuff we do with Ascentium allows us to leapfrog things. Like for instance, whenever I bought injection or I bought mold plates previously, I would wait 90 to 120 days to get the mold plates in before we could run parts. And the fact that we were able to do it in three hours, um, when we finally kind of said, all right, let's try to do this on our own. And then also we have a weapon system that we work with. And we knew that the the entrepreneur we were working with was really a magician around machines. And the delay in supply chain gave us the time for him to actually create some of the parts that we needed. And we actually have a superior system today because we ended up building our own barrels, our own lowers. We you know, really changed out the gas block. Anything that we were having an issue with or supplier issues with, uh, we went down the path of really... You know, so if you just sat around that four months and said, oh, well, I guess we'll just wait. I don't think you would have been any further ahead. You know, you would have just sat there and upset, but we- You used, might not have been in business. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we use those four months really to enhance our process and, and bring some capabilities and parts in-house. And uh, we're really excited. One of the other companies that uh, we just bet big on is a company called Syntex. So we're about to bring, we believe, a 50,000 square foot injection molding machine uh, facility to Bryan College Station. So that's a Q1 effort for us. But we've already bought machines and the machines are coming in here at the Guitar Center, a couple of them, just so we can start showcasing what our capabilities are. You know, you, you talked about what you guys did, what, you know, to adjust. What are you not going to bring back that you guys were doing as a company pre-COVID that you're just like, you know what, we're not doing that anymore. Uh, is there anything like that really resonates with you? Yeah, a couple of things. So I tell people right now, I'm really perplexed on what the future of work looks like. We have 30 employees, but between the companies we're spinning out and our own entity, uh, we believe we'll hire another 30 to 50 people by May of next year. But determining whether those people have to have an office, if they want to have an office, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It's still something I'm trying to figure out. Part of me thinks when they say, all right, the coast is clear, COVID's over, everybody's going to go, oh, thank goodness, I want to come back and work with people. Mm -hmm. And I think all the introverts are going to go, I'm totally happy. I'm yeah. just going to hang out here in my office. 
I do not need to go back into the office. So that future of work is really the thing that's frustrating for me to figure out because uh, as I was mentioning just before this, uh, just before we started, so we have 12,000 square feet here. We just leased another 12,000 square feet. So we got 24,000 square feet. One of the big reasons we decided to do that is if everybody did come back to work on like November 1, we wouldn't have had room for everybody. But one thing that did come out of it that probably would not have happened is the amount of team calls that I have with the entire organization. So I have uh, 11 or 12 people that I call team leaders. They're kind of my top level people. I have one call a a week with them, uh, but then I have a team call with the rest of the organization. And that probably would not have happened as regularly or as often and given quite as much transparency. But I think that's definitely something I'll keep going forward. The only downside of those particular calls is they're typically one-sided like just me talking and telling them what's right. Going. Uh, but we did a mid-year survey and um, or like a mid-year review and everybody really appreciated getting to know what was going on in the organization. And so we, we're going to keep doing that. So Caleb, as you're going through, I, I mean, I think that you're built as an R&D company. So, so by very definition, that mindset of changing things, being aggressive, finding out what works, you know, finding a way to solve a problem. I mean, heck, even maybe solving problems that are two or three, you know, stages down, you know, that, that really gives you a, a lot of flexibility and allows you to adapt. But what about in your industry? I mean, as, as an R&D company, or I don't even know if, if that's how you would best define yourself. I mean, is there, is there some major tech Technologies with the Incentium stuff, you're breaking barriers. But what are some major changes that you see in your industry that you're going to take advantage of? Well, so I want to clarify that I really view that I'm building the Procter & Gamble of public safety and defense companies. And I'm very focused on ecosystem right now, right? So the hat I'm wearing is our nonprofit, which is Safe Tech. I really, really believe it takes a village. And sometimes it takes a really big village. (laughs) And so I think that having building out an entire ecosystem is critical. Axelbox, we would not qualify ourselves as research and development Mm -hmm. because in the world of DOD, they have TRL1, which is uh, technology readiness level one, which is I have an idea. And TRL9 is this is a sellable product. These are the colors and this is the lead time. And so Axelbox only works on technologies that are six and seven. So you have to have a prototype for me to even be interested in what you're working on. And so are there additional modifications, changes, upgrades, features? Sure. But I don't touch ideas right now. And I don't touch ideas because I have four dependents and I need stuff. (laughs) But as our companies begin to spin out, so Intelligent Nanofiber being one, Intelligent Nanofiber will absolutely be an R&D company. And so that's just a, a, a claimer on there. The area where I see the biggest opportunity, and, and I'm going to say that this is across multiple interest- industries, is one, we have lost trust in China. Two, I don't think that the personal protective equipment demands are going to go down over the next 18 months or 15 months. I I think that they're going to continue on and that's going to continue to create supply chain stress. And then also a lot of people are unaware of the actual shipping cost increased for China by the United Nations Postal Service in July of this year. And so these three factors essentially have created the opportunity to bring manufacturing back to the U.S., which is what I set out to do in the first place. Mm -hmm. When you want to sell public safety and defense technologies, it's nice to say it's made in the United States, 
And so uh, we're exploiting that. And to be honest with you, COVID has made that so much easier to get that point across. And so that's why we're betting heavy on those particular opportunities. And I think that within that, you're going to find a lot of new innovation around. I, I just think the fact that over the last 20 years, we lost a lot of that manufacturing base. When it comes back, it's going to be a lot smarter. There's going to be a lot more product processes in place. There's going to be a lot more new materials. You know, it's beyond imaginable what these materials can do now. And so, you know, for instance, we watch stuff out of A&M all the time. And now there's this self-healing drone tech uh, material that they just came out of where the drone can literally change shape while it's in flight. I mean, it's wow, really, really crazy what things can be done. And so as long as we continue to see opportunities, and I think that you, I think that we will around enhancing public safety and and making sure that our war fighters never fight a fair fight. We're just going to continue to look for great tech. That's pretty cool. So we've gotten kind of a glimpse into your big, hairy, audacious goal. Just a tiny bit of a glimpse when you said that you know we want to be the Procter and Gamble of the public safety you know sector. What is your BHAG? What is your your ten year moonshot? Yeah, so I'm a huge goal guy. Um, and so when I did my mid-year review, I did it with all 30 employees. It took forever, you know, 30 minutes or an hour per meeting. So it took 30 hours to do it. But I made every employee give me three professional goals and three personal goals because I think you have to think about them. You got to write them down. And then you have to have someone who can help hold you accountable. So uh, I was at a conference. I was in January, so I wrote it down. So January 15th, of 2030, my BHAG is to put gunshot detection in every school in this country. And so I have a tech, I have two techs in our portfolio, which we haven't talked too much about, and what we call uh, Beyond Lighting, which is a safe and security play. We have the technology that enhances public safety in schools, primarily through gunshot detection. It is an absolute goal of mine that every school in this country will have it in 10 years. Wow, that's really awesome. So you know, again, because we talk about COVID a lot, has COVID slowed that down? Has COVID changed that? Is is anything changed on that BHAG or is it just kind of, well, it's going to take a little bit longer to get there at this point? In my opinion, 10-year goals are meant to have slow periods. My primary partner on that ran for the hills when COVID happened uh, because they were very, very, when, when I'm, I'm talking about literally he was scared because of a health issue. He went to his house mm-hmm. and Anna, like the dude literally ran for a hill. <laughs> uh, and so we're waiting on him to come back. But the one technology has really been well proven. We have a manufacturer lined up for it. But one of the things I'll just say is what schools look like in the future is probably going to change. And I think that that is probably will have the biggest impact on what this, you know, what does it mean to say you put gunshot detection in every school? I mean, I think about the issues that are being faced just locally in our community. Uh, My kids, we held out the first nine weeks, um, but I know multiple sets of kids from different families who the principal has allowed them to come back in before the nine weeks, which is great, right? That the kids need to be there. Um, But as these kids get older, there, there becomes a lot more exposure of things not happening you know, with the same set of parents, the same kids coming in at the same time every day. And these are risks that, you know, we think our solution will be able to help out with. But, you know, COVID in general has changed everything, you know, and I heard uh, Ray Perryman the other day, our state economist, he was talking about the number of people who go to work will probably be less 
but the amount of space those people need will be more. So does that mean schools are bigger in the future? Do little kids need more space? So there's lots of questions like that that ultimately will change what the final idea looks like. But I don't feel like it's personally changed the ultimate outcome I want, which is gunshot detection in every school in this country. Yeah, Caleb, I think that you're the the third or fourth ag entrepreneur that we've had on that that really has not only lofty goals, but is generally looking at our society as a whole and saying, you know, like there there are ways that we as Aggies, there's ways as we as entrepreneurs can make all of our lives better, not just limited to Bryan College Station, but really finding ways to to do that. So, you know, congratulations on that. I love that, love that mentality and love that this is also something that you can't deliver on. It may yeah. take 10 years, but you're going to deliver on it. Yeah, there's a couple of financing pieces and some political stuff and policy that will have to come along with it. But, uh, you know, the thing that that I get really frustrated about, and it's really the driving force why I started Axelbox is, you know, when bad things happen, people want to blame politics or people want to blame gun owners or, or, you know, they want to blame somebody. And for whatever reason, my brain always goes to, man, what tech do I know that could have mitigated that situation? What tech going forward could prevent that from having the same outcome? And the really disappointing part is this tech is available today. It should be in every school today. (laughs) So it's just going to be proving and showing and making people understand how it works. And, And so that's the driving force behind it is, you know, I know the tech is there and I will not be satisfied until it's in every school. Love that. Well, Caleb, let, let's roll into the lightning round. So these next couple of questions, uh, we'll just ask for some real quick hits in and out. Uh, first off, what is your favorite hack? This can be a personal hack, can be a business hack. What have you got? I like two. I like two apps. I like Simple Minds and I like Trello. And so, if you ever looked at what I do, I tell people I specialize in chaos. And so yeah. if you want to understand everything that I do, it needs to be mapped out because you might not understand the interconnections between pieces. And so Simple Mind is a great way for me to do that. But you know, when I have these big five tech bubbles that I focus on right now, and I look at something new coming in, if it doesn't connect in the map, it's out for me. Like it, it just it's a distraction and I and I can't afford those distractions at this point in time. And then Trello, if you don't use Trello, it's it's for basically digital lists, but there is something so gratifying about moving the little blob from needs to be done to in process to done. I will sometimes even put stuff I've already done just to get to move it over into the done. <laughs> <laughs> a little psychological hook. <laughs> You're like, all right, you got three things done. Now let's work on the list. All right. So give us a book, podcast, or YouTube channel that you get a ton of value out of that our Aggie Growth Hack uh, audience can get some out of. If you don't listen to Business Wars, you're not doing it right. Uh, Business Wars is absolutely incredible. Uh, I I personally love the history of how things started. And uh, I find it extraordinarily fascinating that some of the biggest brands we know today started in such close geography to each other. You know, just all of the all of the motor vehicle companies all started up in Detroit. All of yep. the cereal companies started in Ohio. Like all the beer companies started in the Midwest. I mean, that that type of storytelling and then getting to hear tactical plays and strategic moves and hires and things of that nature. I just, I genuinely love business wars. That's great. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, I think I've heard you say that a couple of times. So now, it's, now I'm going to just subscribe and start now binging it. on your podcast, you have <laughs> Then I've then I've got that's right. So so follow back up on on your follow up. You can ask me 
what my favorite bench war uh, episode is. Yeah, Kayla, we we talk a lot about the value of the Aggie Network, and it is so strong and it is so helpful in in a lot of different ways. Is there anyone in the Aggie Network that you just want to say thank you to? Someone that's really helped you out. Blake Petty, uh, who's at the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship, and Dick Lester, uh, yeah. who before him. Both of those guys have been pretty instrumental. Gary Sarah, who was the CEO of Teeks, he's the one who gave me a lot of my... He's the one who used to say, I gave you enough rope to choke, not to die. So he gave me a lot of leeway along the way. But I mean, there's a number of people at Teeks, uh, Gordon Lomar and Paul Siebert, and all of those people that graduated from A&M. And then, you know, the people that I have now professionally in my network, like Jason Rollo and Spencer Clemens and David Seeger, you know, these people have made doing business in this community incredibly enjoyable. And, you know, then you have some people that teach at A&M that, you know, may or may not have their degrees at A&M, you know, like uh, Dr. Andy Morris, who's over the iSchool, a great guy who, you know, has really put me in a position to be able to speak at opportunities. Like I'm guest lecturing next week to the A&M Health Science Center over starting a business. Um, and Brett Cornwell, who runs the Office of Technology Commercialization. So uh, what I believe in is, uh, you know, I get to see further because I stand on the shoulder of giants. So there's a lot of them in this community. And I'm sure I've left a, quite a few off. But uh, those are some of the initial ones I want to say thank you to. That's great. That's some good bull right there. So speaking of, how can the Aggie Network support you right now? Yeah, I think the big thing that I try to tell people is during good times, we as citizens want our war fighters to have the best technology and we want our first responders, our firefighters, and our law enforcement. We want those people to have the best technology. But during difficult times like this pandemic or war, for instance, on the military side, it's equally important those people have access to technology, whether it's personal protective equipment. But you know, a big movement for us is also around suicide prevention because law enforcement is probably the hardest profession to be in. Yeah. Uh, in the military, um, at least here in this country. And so, you know, we just want people to know that there's a lot of good tech trying to help those people out. There's a lot of good people in that profession. And, you know, we just want people to know that we genuinely feel like Bryan College Station and Aggieland, per se, is the mecca of places to be to create technology for those kinds of people. And so we just want people to have recognition of that and you know, thank their first responders and their military personnel whenever they see them in their communities. Well, Caleb, I love, again, the spirit that you operate in and the passion that you have to, to say there's either technology out there that can make their lives better, they can make their lives safer. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus 100% of my, my energy on making sure and I'm not going to rest until, until that's done. So how can the Aggie Network get in touch with you to share in your vision and to support you with that? The easiest way, or you know, emailing me directly at uh, Caleb at axel-box.com. But also, I tell everybody my cell phone rings for anyone. Eric code 806 241 7693. I do not answer my phone between 6 30 and 8 o'clock. So uh, that's family time. But after that, I'll text you or call you back. And, you know, we're looking for anybody that has ideas or anybody that's willing to support these companies. And, you know, right now in our nonprofit, we have 53 members. And if it wasn't for COVID, we would have 10 a month in our community. That's how you can get in touch with me. And uh, we're looking for mentors. We're looking for investors. We're looking for executives. We're looking for everything to help continue to build the ecosystem here. Well, we really appreciate your generosity, Caleb, and the support that you've given to us and the Aggie Network by coming on here and sharing just these awesome value bombs. Thank you so much and gig them. 
How about that, Ags? What a great story from Caleb. There were some valuable hacks that he gave us. What was your favorite, Greg? Well, Chris, my number one hack was just the focus that Caleb has. Uh, I mean, his his company is built around so many creative and, and new innovations. But for him to say, okay, these are the things that I'm focused on and I am disciplined about only letting things into my ecosystem uh, or that fit into that world. Uh, he's got to see some really, really cool technology. He's got to be... And, and he's just so passionate about making the technology work and, and make available. But man, the discipline that he has in doing that, that's great. And I'm going to take that away. What about you? Well, Greg, I, I 100% agree with yours. I have a hard time. I, I struggle personally on uh, focus. So I think that his Simple Minds app that he talked about, I'm definitely going to check that out. However, my biggest takeaway that I, I had, my biggest hack that I got from him was sharpen the sword. To me, that's that's from the seven habits of, of highly effective people, right? And to me, what that meant is that he took this time period, this four to five months, now six months, whatever it's been, time period to fix a lot of their issues, right? And to sharpen the sword. I mean, there's, there's no simpler way to say that. And to make their processes better. And the simple thing that he talked about, what was it with the with the mold injection is that it took them 90 to 120 days before. And now it's, he's, they brought that down to three hours. It's absolutely insane. I mean, imagine if every industry could do that from, from having to wait 90 to 120 days for something to now you're down to three hours. That's just amazing. So sharpen the sword. That's mine. Well, Ags, that's going to do it for another episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. Chris and I hope that you enjoyed it. And we hope that you'll leave us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbeam, or wherever you found us. Be sure to check out our website at aggiegrowthhacks.com, where you can hear all of our past episodes, connect with Chris and I, and maybe be featured on a future episode. Aggie Growth Hacks was produced by fellow Aggies Kyle Ackerman and Ben Wiggins with Podcast Architects. We'd also want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M University. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a wantrepreneur, head over to their website to find a program that's right for you. Join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig em. Whoop.